Hey, some of you may remember Ron and Wanda Walborn. They've been here before, and uh, Ron's uh, third time here, and uh, and he, he's going to speak tonight. And but Ron and I are good friends. We've known each other for quite some time, and we serve on the board for our denomination together. And uh, I just have always, uh, I just always love being around him because um, I laugh. I cry, um, and I always walk away going, "Oh man, I need I need to dig into that topic. I need to read more about that." Or he's a, he's a kind of guy that, especially when it comes to spiritual questions about life in the spirit, uh, this is a guy who has just uh, been used by God to advance the kingdom. Uh, he is he's the dean of the seminary, uh, our Alliance Theological Seminary. The Alliance is the the family that we're connected to. And he's the dean there, uh, done that for a lot of years. He's, he's been in a church. He's pastor. Both Wanda and him have pastored in the church. Uh, Wanda is also works at the, at the college. Uh, she leads there. And, um, and we, we've been experiencing some pretty unique things around here. We've seen God do some amazing things. He's been healing people and setting people free. And um, when we were talking about Pentecost week, I knew I wanted to get Ron and Wanda out here, and I just had this, this sense in my heart that I really wanted Ron to talk about divine healing. He has a course at the seminary on divine healing, and, and so I asked him to do that, and uh, so he's, he's going to teach on that tonight. And, uh, but I just want you to know, these two have been working like all day long. We've been working them hard. They just a little bit, like an hour and a half ago, um, they just left our, R- our RTI uh, students over there for a chapel and uh, really blessed us there. So, um, but I told him if he works really hard, um, I'm not done. Sit, sit down, sit down. That, that, it, that if he does good tonight, I'm going to take him fishing tomorrow. So um, come on up, Ron. I want to pray for you. Um, this guy's a, a, a good friend of mine. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thanks for Ron. Thanks for the way he's blessed my life, uh, blessed uh, Trina's in my life, blessed my family's life, blessed this family's life. Lord, um, he's just spoken truth into us. He's spoken grace into us. He's spoken life into us. And uh, I know that, that that just is life that flows from you. So may your life, may your power, may your presence continue to be poured out in his life. And even tonight as he speaks, may he just sense in his spirit uh, your, your smile, your touch, your power, your breath on him as he teaches us. We thank you. Lord. We're, in, we're anticipating good things. We're expectant. And uh, we thank you uh, for what we're going to hear from you tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. I was looking at that picture. Honey, we need to get a new picture. Yeah, for those of you that, uh, that uh, don't remember me, it's because uh, I got a haircut. <laughs> a 110-pound haircut, you know? Yeah, my new life verse is, he must increase, I must decrease, right? You know? <laughs> Actually, the truth is, my wife just stopped feeding me. So, <laughs> so. No, it is good to be back with you, and um, um, I'm, I'm really excited about what God's doing here in Salem and uh, I get excited about the creative ways that uh, you guys are doing ministry every time I come here, and uh, it is a great joy to be with Steve, and even greater joy if we catch fish tomorrow. So, anyhow. All right. Well, um, I want to talk to you tonight about hope for the hopeless, uh, praying for people with chronic conditions, 
okay? Uh, conditions, and I'll define that more in just a minute, that seem to persist. Now, not necessarily just physical issues. Let me give you an example of an emotional issue. Last summer, uh, I wrote an article for Alliance Life uh, called uh, It's Okay to Cry, and it was on grieving. And today I spoke to the RTI students about uh, that topic of grieving. And I got an email from a former pastor after that article came out. And, and he wrote me, and in this um, email, he let me know that he'd been pretty beaten up in ministry and, um, and that he was now working as a chef. He was not going to church any longer. And in the email, here's exactly what he said. He said, I have given up hope of ever being normal again. I'm plagued by anger, hatred, bitterness, depression, fits of weeping, and a complete loss of hope. Your article gave me a glimmer of hope that I can begin to heal from the empty shell I have become. Um, there's a picture of brokenness, folks. And, and what we have to grab onto and realize is that there are broken people like that all around us. And some of those broken people are still within the walls of the, of the church, people that have given up hope. And, um, and, and when you look at someone like that, it kind of gives meaning to this definition of chronic. What does it mean to have a, a chronic condition? Whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's a spiritual issue. But the word chronic means a disease or illness persisting a long time or constantly recurring. Um, and the definition adds difficult to eradicate, difficult to get free from. And, and the reality is, when, when we encounter people that are in a chronic condition, even those of us that believe in healing and the power of God, we tend to go the other way. Because, man, those, the tough cases, the hard cases, that's, you know, let me pray for the backache that you've only had for a week. But uh, the chronic conditions, the ones that are tough to deal with, those are the ones that we struggle with. And yet, I don't need to remind you that Jesus drew people with chronic conditions. They were the ones that he found himself with all the time. He didn't run from them. It's almost as if he attracted them and then he took on these things head on. And so when you look at the ministry of Jesus and if he's our model, then I believe that it's critical for us to learn how to minister to broken people. So, uh, you know, Steve mentioned I'm from Alliance Theological Seminary. Uh, one of my goals uh, in the students that we have at the seminary is not just to fill their minds with theology and Bible. I mean, I do want that. Uh, and not even for them even just to develop uh, a spiritual formation uh, a process and methodology. I, I want that as well. Uh, not even for them to develop good missiological principles. I want that. But I want them to get eyes of the Spirit for broken people. And I want them to develop hearts that don't run from people with chronic conditions, but literally run to people with chronic conditions. Now, if that's the case, if Jesus is our model, then I think we've got to learn from him as to how do we deal with people with chronic conditions. And so tonight, I want to look at a passage, and if you have your Bibles, turn to it, because i really like you to be able to see it in the scripture. But the question I want to ask tonight, and hopefully answer, is what can we learn from Jesus in order to minister more effectively to people with chronic conditions, people that have lost hope, people that are broken. And in Luke 13, Luke 13 is where I want to look tonight, there is an amazing story of a woman who had been bent over and tortured with a horrific back condition for 18 years. 
Now, folks, 18 years is a long time to have a bad back. And, and what the text suggests is that it wasn't just that it was an aching issue. She was crippled by it. She was bent over. It appears that, uh, you know, even when she walked in, people could see her coming, okay? Uh, in fact, some of your Bibles have a title over this section uh, in, in chapter 13 of Luke, verse 10, The Bent Woman, Okay, so this is a condition that uh, everybody knew about, everybody could see, she'd had it for 18 years. Now, what makes it worse is that we find out from Luke, the medical doctor, who understands diagnosis, who understands issues of cause and effect, that this was caused not by her lifting something too heavy, not by, uh, you know, stress in her life, it was caused by a demon. This was a demonic attack. And so what makes this issue with this woman worse is that not only is it a bad back, but it's inflicted because of a demonic attack on this woman. And in this passage, I think we can find some things that will help us to minister to broken people like this the way Jesus did. Uh, look with me at Luke 10. It says this. Uh, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward, said to her, woman, you're set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, I love that. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Okay. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what has bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. You know why? Because when someone gets set free from something they've had for 18 years, there's delight that fills the house. Man, because those people had watched this woman suffer for 18 years. And it just amazes me how these religious leaders were more indignant about their religious system being disrupted than this woman getting set free. Well, what does Jesus do? There's, there's some things... Uh, I think that are helpful. And uh, I want to give you four insights uh, tonight uh, that I think will be helpful for ministering to broken people. And now, let me tell you where we're going. Every single one of us have people with chronic conditions in our lives. There's not a single person here. You don't know someone that's lost hope. Uh, you know someone that's given up. And, and so we all have some people in our lives that we need to be equipped uh, to minister to them you know, better. And then the truth is, some of us have lost hope. And it may not be pervasive. It may not, everybody may not know it. But the reality is, for all of us, we go through seasons where we say, I guess this is just who I am. Our chronic condition begins to define us. So uh, let's look at this. The first thing I see in this passage, when you're ministering to somebody that's bronic, that's, that has a chronic condition, that's broken, uh, the first thing I see in this passage is we've got to learn to listen for fresh models. Listen for fresh models. You see, ministry as usual does not typically work for someone living with a chronic condition. And, and so Jesus breaks free from the traditional religious patterns and he does things that were not expected. He does things that were not on the agenda when he ministers to this woman. 
And so if you look at this passage, uh, you find out this woman has been attending synagogues for 18 years. It may be safe to say that she had done everything the religious leaders had asked her to do. Uh, if you understand first century Judaism, they had rites of exorcism, they had rites of healing, they had things that they asked people to do, uh, but the problem is they were doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And you can tell from their attitude that these were not people that did not do something that wasn't on their agenda. And, and so Jesus comes in to this situation and he breaks all their established procedures. He doesn't follow the protocol. Uh, he doesn't do ministry the way they expected him to do it. In fact, the text says they were indignant. That is actually Greek for ticked off, okay? They were ticked. What are you doing? You know, that's not on the agenda today. You know what I found? That I think some of the best healings happen when they're not on the agenda. I think some of the best healing and the best freedom comes when we don't put it in the bulletin or when we're not expecting it to show up. And, and so Jesus comes into this situation and he breaks free from the status quo and this woman gets set free as a result. Now, uh, that, that former pastor that I told you about, I reached out to him, the guy that wrote me that email that I shared at the beginning. I reached out to him. But let me tell you what I didn't say to him in our first conversation. I didn't say, I, I said, well, listen, you know, it's time to start praying again, read your Bible, you need to get back to church. I didn't preach him the status quo. Now I think as God restores him, we'll get to that. But you see, I knew that I had to find a fresh pathway to this guy's heart. See, he'd been wounded by the church, he'd been hurt by the church. If I just start with, you need to start going to church again, then I'm probably gonna miss an opportunity to set him free from a chronic condition. And you see, I think the Lord is always trying to whisper fresh pathways to people's hearts to us. Uh, it's worth noting that Jesus almost never heals someone the same way twice. I mean, have you read the Gospels? I mean, he spits in somebody's eye. He sticks his finger in an ear. He shouts the healing word at one point. He, you know, he lays hands on another point. And the reason for that is that I don't think he wants us to get stuck in a rut. I think he wants us to listen for fresh insights, for fresh models. Why? Because we've got to create faith in people's hearts and expectancy in people's hearts. And he knows how to do that if we'll listen for the fresh models of how to set the captives free. You see, the danger is this. We pray for somebody and we experience some success and then we do the same thing over and over again. But the Lord is asking us to be uh, creative in listening to his voice and doing what he calls us to do. I, I can just imagine, Jesus shows up, you know, he sees this woman, she's bent, she's crippled, she's been like this for 18 years. He's actually going, Father, what do we do? And the, and the Father whispers to him, Jesus, we're gonna do things a little different today. Now, they've never dealt with the demonic, you're gonna deal with the demonic, then you're gonna pray for healing, you're gonna, and, uh, and we're gonna do it when they don't expect it. And this woman gets set free. So there's some people in your life, and I know you've been praying for them over and over again, but I want you to begin to say, Lord, give me a fresh pathway to their heart. How do I get around their defense mechanisms, their coping mechanisms? Uh, because what happens is we build up a resistance to the way we've always been prayed for, and we've got to ask the Lord to give us fresh ways to minister to broken people. And I believe he'll do that. Second thing I see in this passage that Jesus does is he not only looks for fresh models, fresh ways of ministering to them, but the second thing he does is he looks for the root issues 
the root issues. You see, the deepest issues with broken people are never the surface symptoms. And Jesus looks beneath the surface. He goes after the root, the cause, and the origin of the problem. And if you notice in this passage, again, I want to remind you, it's the medical doctor, Luke, in verse 11, that says her real problem is not the back. Her real problem is she was afflicted by a spirit. Now, we don't know why. We don't know if it's generational. We don't know if it's a curse. We don't know if it's something that she got from her parents. We don't, we don't know. We don't know her full story, but Luke says that she was crippled by a spirit. And then notice in verse 16 that Jesus says she has been bound by Satan. And so this is not just a bad back. Uh, there's a spirit of infirmity. In verse 12, Jesus uh, addresses the spirit of infirmity. Woman, you are loosed. The Greek word is luo. It means to be set free. It means the bondage is broken. So the first thing he deals with is the root cause origin then he lays his hands on her and heals the symptoms. Now, I have to issue a disclaimer here. Because whenever we read something like this, we automatically think, that's my wife's problem. <laughs> you know, she's had a bad back for years. I'm going to go home and cast her demons out. Uh, stop, listen. <laughs> Don't be simplistic, okay? The reality is uh, sometimes uh, back issues may be caused by a demonic spirit. Sometimes they may be caused because you've lifted something too heavy. Uh, one time Wanda and I were praying for a woman with a back issue. She was actually scheduled for surgery. And I just kept getting the word unforgiveness, unforgiveness. And, um, and you've got to be sensitive in moments like that. I mean, here's the person. They're already hurting. So you don't say, lady, you're full of unforgiveness. That's your problem. Use a little pastoral sensitivity. And so I asked the question. I said, um, is there something related to unforgiveness going on? She started shaking her head. She said, yeah, I've never forgiven my ex-husband for what he did to me and what he did to our kids. And I said, talk to me, what happened? And she began to share about how seven years ago what she went through when their marriage broke up and what was done to her. And she grieved it and she began to process it. And that was the root issue. And finally, we got to a point and she said, it's time for me to forgive him. And she prayed this prayer. It's a wonderful prayer. She said, Jesus, I now release my husband from the prison of my unforgiveness. And then she prayed this prayer. And Jesus, I now release myself from the prison of my unforgiveness. And after we'd been with her for about 30 minutes, uh, praying and processing, I said, all right, let's pray for your back again. And she looked at us and she said, you don't need to. My back stopped hurting as soon as I dealt with the forgiveness issue. Because often chronic conditions are rooted in something deeper. And so you look for fresh models, and then you begin to ask the question, what is the root? What's, what's going on? Now, again, sometimes a bad back is just a bad back. Don't be digging too deep if it's just a bad back. I get that. But it's worth asking the question, what might this be caused by? At Nyack, we have um, a nursing program. And every year, I get to go in, and I get to teach on divine healing to our nursing students. You know why? Because we want them to be equipped medically, but we also want them to know how to pray for healing. And so I teach all of our nursing students how to pray, how to minister for healing. And I was doing a piece of a lecture, and I said, I said now listen, remember that uh, too often we treat the symptoms, and we've got to learn to go after the root cause origin instead of just treating the symptoms. And they all started laughing, and I said, what are you guys laughing about? And they said, we had a doctor in yesterday, and the topic of his lecture was on the danger of medical science treating only symptoms. Look for the root cause origin. And I said, yeah, he got that from me. Um, <laughs> and Jesus, okay? Unfortunately, he was being paid a lot more than me, okay? <laughs> 
So look for the root issues. Uh, insight number three. Uh, the third insight is this. Remind people who are suffering from chronic illness or chronic conditions, remind them of their core identity. Now, folks, catch this. People living in chronic brokenness lose their identity to their symptoms. Jesus sees her core identity, and he doesn't call her the bent woman, the crippled woman. He reminds her and everyone else of who she really is. Notice what he calls her. He says, she's a daughter of Abraham. She's a daughter of Abraham. You see, that's part of her healing. Yeah, part of her healing happened when he laid his hands on her, but part of her healing was when he declared the name of God over her instead of the label that people had put on her. And you see, when you find people uh, with chronic conditions, even good religious people begin to label them by their condition. They, they begin to refer to them by their dysfunction, by their disability. So here comes the bent woman. Here comes the woman with the issue of blood. Here comes the woman out of whom Jesus cast seven demons. I mean, even after they've been free, they often are labeled by who they used to be. Oh, here's blind Bartimaeus. Well, I can see now, okay? No, you're still blind Bartimaeus. I'm not blind anymore. Because we label them by their dysfunction. And often people hear only those labels for so long until they lose their identity and they become defined by the things they were never supposed to be defined by. You see, uh, Jesus steps into this situation. And I love this. He teaches us to say things like this. Her back may have been bent for 18 years, but that's not who she is. She's a daughter of Abraham. You see, he may have been addicted to drugs for 20 years, but stop calling him an addict. That's not who he is. He's a man I've set free. She may have had an issue of blood for a long time, but now the sun has set her free. He may have had depression and anxiety and panic attacks, but stop defining him by those labels. He is my son, she is my daughter, and I have set them free. This is who they are. And so when you're ministering to broken people, be very careful to set them free from the labels that have defined them. That's why in John 5, when Jesus goes up to this man, and he'd been you know, lame for many, many years, and Jesus asked him this question, do you want to be well? Because when you've had something for a long period of time, you begin to say, maybe this is just who I am, but Jesus always wants to break us free and, and speak the truth over us instead of just the labels. Um, a few years ago, I was up with uh, Rob Reamer, at his church in, uh, in Massachusetts. Some of you met Rob. He was here last Sunday, I guess, too. And, um, and to be honest, we'd been praying for people and ministering to people at this conference all day. I was exhausted. I wanted to go home. I wanted to go back to the hotel. And so I'm getting ready to leave. I'm packing up my stuff, and I'm leaving. And, and just then, they came up to me, and some of the ministry team, and they, they grabbed me. And they said, Ron, would you pray for one more person? And I wanted to go, no, I don't want to pray for a single more person. I, I'm done. I got nothing left. Uh, that's what I wanted to say, but I went, okay. And they said, this woman has been prayed for by every member of the ministry team and nothing is working. And would you pray? And I, and I looked at them and I said, I'll give you 10 minutes. I, the Lord's got to do it in 10 minutes because I'm really, really tired. And so I went up to this woman and, and she was actually one of my students. She was from New York City, uh, African-American woman and uh, depression, uh, panic attacks, uh, major emotional trauma, and, um, 
And I, I looked at her and I was getting ready to pray. Lord, how do I pray? Everybody else has prayed. I'm tired. I got nothing left. When I looked at her, all of a sudden, I saw band-aids all over her face and band-aids all over her body. And there, there weren't actually band-aids there. I'm seeing it. In fact, I kind of went like this. Oh, I am so tired, okay? But they were still there. And then I looked a little closer, and on the band-aids, I saw labels. I saw things that were written on each one of the band-aids. I saw worthless, homely, ugly, uh, whore, horrible, horrible things that had been said to this woman. And I said, Lord, what is this? You know, I mean, what, how, how, do I, how do I pray this? And the Lord said, she has been labeled by people her whole life. Tonight, I want you to help her renounce the labels of man and receive the name of God over her life. I said, okay, I can do that. And I told her what I was seeing, and I said, look, I could do this, but I feel like you are to speak forth these labels that have been put on you. They're only the surface. God has names that go clear to your, the core of your identity. And I want you to begin to renounce them. And she started in. She got it right away. She goes, I am not ugly. I am a beautiful one of God. I am not homely. I am not worthless. I am not stupid. And every time she did that, I just peeled the labels off. I'm, I'm like, come on, get off there in the name of Jesus, you know? And I was just, I, actually, I had fun. I was getting energized. And, uh, and she just kept saying. And every time she'd say it, I'd pull one off. And then she got to a certain point, and then all around her, the ministry team started to declare the truth of who she is. You're a princess. You're loved by the Father. You're a precious daughter. And this woman just stood there and received the names of God. That night, the Lord set her free. She graduated this year from ATS with her Master's of Divinity degree. And when she walked across that stage, she had a biggest smile. You know why? Because she just didn't get a theological education. She got set free. She had the labels removed. She was no longer the bent woman, the crippled woman, the woman out of whom Jesus cast seven demons. No, no, no. Those thorns of shame became trophies of grace. And her destiny was on the other side of this freedom and the healing. And so when you minister to broken people, make sure you find ways to remind them of their core identity. Well, number four, the fourth thing I see in this passage is when you pray for people with chronic conditions who are in a place of hopelessness, Make sure you break down the big problems into smaller bites. You see, people with chronic conditions are often overwhelmed by the largeness of their problem. And this can rob them of faith, and it can rob us of faith. So go after one thing at a time. And, and, and notice what Jesus does in this. He is not overwhelmed by the fact that she's had this back condition for 18 years. He goes after the spirit of infirmity. It reminds me of, uh, I think it's in, in Luke 5, where the guys uh, tear the roof off the building and lower the paralytic in, and, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And the four guys are like, well, that's nice, but that's not exactly why we brought him here. You know? But Jesus was not overwhelmed by the bigness of the problem. He goes after one bite at a time. You see, how do you eat an elephant? You eat an elephant one bite at a time. And so when you pray for somebody with a chronic condition... Don't be overwhelmed by the immensity, but begin to ask, Jesus, what are you doing in this moment? What do you want us to pray for tonight? And, and don't get overwhelmed by the immensity of what you're facing, but go after it one battle at a time. And here's what happens. When you begin to get the little wins, faith begins to build. Um, 
quite a few years ago when I was pastoring in Reading. I was the worship pastor for quite a few years and, um, and every Wednesday night, our worship team would come together, and it was actually one of our congregations within the larger uh, church, and there were about 35 or 40 of us, and we would do a devotional time, and we'd do prayer time, and we had a young guy, um, his name was John, and he was on the worship team, and John was confined to a wheelchair. He'd been in a wheelchair for about six or seven years. Uh, when he was a teenager, he dove into a pool, fractured C4, C5, paralyzed from the chest down and was in a wheelchair and had a phenomenal voice, was on our worship team and started coming to the church about a year or two before. And, um, and one night, a few of the people on the worship team said, hey, John, let us pray for you. And he goes, no way. And we said, why? He goes, man, I've been going to churches for the last four years and I'm tired of being a project. You see, he'd been prayed for the same old way and he'd lost faith. And uh, they said, John, you will never be a project for us. Tell us this. What's one little thing that you need prayer for tonight? And if it doesn't have anything to do with your back or your paralysis, that's fine. We just want to minister to you. And he says, well, all right. Now that you mention it, the doctors have just told me that if I don't get circulation back in my feet, they're going to have to amputate my feet. And, and he pointed down at his, his sandals, and his toes were blue. His feet were blue. And so... They said, all right, let's pray for circulation. And so the ministry team started to pray for him, the worship team. And over the next two or three weeks, we began to pray the restoration of circulation, the restoration of circulation. Well, guess what? By the third week, his feet were pink when he came in. They were warm to the touch. And now he was getting excited. He said, all right, man, my knees are starting to seize up. And the physical therapist says that, you know, that I'm going to lose mobility. Would you pray that I begin to get mobility back in joints and that I don't lose joints? And so we started to pray against arthritis and pray against all this stuff. We began to minister to him. And so we prayed for him for about six months. After about six months, one night, on Wednesday night, John did not come in in a wheelchair. He came in with uh, the arm crutches walking. Now, you're saying, well, he wasn't completely healed. Let me tell you something. John had been told by doctors he would never get out of that wheelchair. When he came in that night, man, you should have seen the victory on his face, okay? Um, John's now married, has three kids. He's still on the worship team at Risen King. Um, we haven't yet seen the fullness of his healing, but if you ask John, John will give you amazing testimony of how Jesus can set you free from chronic conditions, and his heart and his life are filled with hope. So when you minister to people... Remember these four insights because we're all going to need them. Listen for fresh models, look for root issues, remind people of their core identity, and don't be overwhelmed by the immensity of what they're dealing with, but look for the little battles that God wants to win in ministry and in prayer and let those build faith. Well, let me tell you one more story, and then uh, I'm going to show you a video, and then we're going to do some prayer. So it was about three or four years ago, um, President Mike Scales from Nyack College, he gets a call and he gets a call from Edmond, Oklahoma. And Edmond, Oklahoma is where he used to live. And it was the pastor of a Southern Baptist church where Mike used to attend. And the pastor called him and said, uh, Mike, I need your help. He said, uh, my wife, uh, there's something wrong with her. She can't eat food. She can't ingest her food. She's down to 85 pounds. The doctors have told her that uh, it, it, they don't know what's wrong. They don't know what's causing it. But Mike, it's going to kill her. And he said, uh, look, you're Christian Missionary Alliance, Mike. You guys believe in healing. Would you come out and pray, pray for my wife? So, you know, Mike came to me and he said, we're going to Oklahoma. I said, okay. When the president tells you you're going someplace, you go. 
And, uh, and I said to Mike, I said, make sure you have a ministry team there, some people that understand prayer and how to minister. And so we showed up at this pastor's house, and there was his wife, and she was skin and bones, uh, 85 pounds, and uh, just wasting away. And so we started to pray. And we, and we were looking for fresh models. We were looking for root cause origin. I was doing all the stuff that I've taught you tonight because over the years I've kind of learned this stuff. And, and I asked her this question. I said, when did this start? She goes, well, it started when I was taking care of my father. Uh, her father was a very, very conservative, legalistic uh, Christian. Uh, his father had her, a daughter, and two sons the two sons were Southern Baptist pastors and she was the wife of a Southern Baptist pastor. And she said, but my father was always disappointed in us because we were liberal. Now, you can accuse the Southern Baptist of a lot of stuff, but being liberal is usually not one of them, okay? And yet this guy was so fundamentalist and legalistic that he was disappointed in his children who were full on in ministry because they weren't as righteous and holy as he wanted them to be. And, and so she said, I was taking care of him, and uh, this is when this issue began to affect me. And the day before he died, he wrote a seven-page letter that he gave to me that he wanted read at the funeral. And what the seven-page letter was, was him expressing his disappointment in his children and disowning them as his offspring. And uh, I said, did you read it? And she said, oh, I read it, but I never read it at the funeral. I said, my brothers will never have to hear this. And she said, I said, what did you say to yourself? She said, I will bear the weight of this curse on my own. And I said, where is this letter? She said, it's in my dresser drawer. I said, it's time to get rid of that letter. And so we got a paper shredder out, an electronic paper shredder. She went and got the letter and so here's her Southern Baptist pastor husband going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, he's, he's, he was getting charismatic. And uh, <laughs> because he had hope. This, this was something. They had never done paper shredding in ministry time before. <laughs> it wasn't on the agenda, okay? She grabs this letter and she says, I renounce this. This is not who I'm, I am. I am a beloved daughter. My father loves me. And she started shredding this six or seven page letter. And when she got to page three, this paper shredded start, shredder started smoking. And it caught on fire. And the Southern Baptist pastor's going, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. You know, he's... So, so he says, give me that letter. He starts ripping it with her. And they, they ripped it up. We threw it away. Um... She said to us after we finished that prayer time, by the way, we took the paper shredder and everything and we dumped it in a dumpster on the other side of town. Just got rid of it. And she said to me uh, that day, she said, something is lifted. She didn't feel the healing right away. But about a week later, we got word from them that she was eating again and that something had broken. And I'm happy to say this was about four or five years ago and this woman is completely restored to health. Completely restored. You see... The Father has fresh pathways to people's heart. He, he wants to give you insight and wisdom as to how to go after the root issues. He's, he's going to lead you to the places where faith begins to build in people. And, and, and listen, 
even whether they get fully healed or not, they're going to be loved by God, loved by Jesus, ministered to by you. And those are the kind of people for whom Jesus died, the broken people, the people with chronic conditions. I want to show you a video. Uh, this video, um, and I told Steve the story of this. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Wanda asked me to preach on healing one Monday night at Nyack College. And, uh, and, and I'm going to make myself look really bad here. Because... That Monday night, the Steelers were on Monday night football. And I'm a huge Steelers fan. And I said to her, okay, I'll preach the sermon, but you're doing the ministry time. I'm leaving. So I preached on healing. I started ministry time, and I went out the side door, and I went home and watched the Steelers. And the stupid team lost anyhow. She comes home at 1130, and she goes, what a great night. I can't believe you missed it. I go, I can't either. And she said, Shakia Britton was healed of cerebral palsy. And I want you to hear testimony from Shakia's own mouth. Go ahead and play this video. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. My name is Shakia Burton, and I am a sophomore in Nyack College. I got cerebral palsy by being premature. I weighed one pound and 15 ounces. Because of my premature birth, I had complications. My mother noticed that I wasn't able to hold myself up at a certain age. She said that I wasn't respond responding, like looking at her. I didn't start walking until I was about two or three. I used to crawl everywhere. And even when I crawled, I used to drag myself. Playing in the playground was difficult because I really couldn't move like the other kids. And we would play tag and I always used to get caught, you know? So, um, yeah. I didn't like to be around people. I love people, but I didn't like to walk in front of people. And if I was to walk in a room and it would be laughter, they could be laughing about something else. But I thought it was me. I wasn't bad at God. I wasn't mad at him. I just wanted to know why he made me like that. And then I started to think, well, okay, he made me like this for a reason. So I'm like, I'm going to stop questioning it. But it was still in the back of my mind. Like, Lord, are you going to heal me? Am I going to be 25 with this? You know, will I be able to have children? During November, my freshman year, I attended a healing service, and Ron Wilborn was the speaker. When it comes to healing, when somebody speaks about healing, I'm very sensitive because, you know, that's what I always wanted. My church used to have healing um, lines all the time, and I used to get up and go, and I used to sit back down and say it. So I went, I sat in the middle of Partington, and I listened to the sermon. He does an altar call and people started to move. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna get up and go. And they asked what you wanted prayer for. And I said that, you know, pray for my grandmother because she's sick. I didn't even bother to ask for myself because I figured that, you know, God is not gonna heal me, so I'm not even gonna ask. So they prayed for my grandmother. And then Rebecca started praying for me. And Chris came over and he got on his knees and he laid hands on my knees and they were praying. And I was like, 
no, I'm okay, I don't want it, I'm okay, I'm okay. But, you know, I was crying in my tissues because that's something that deep down in my heart I really wanted. All of a sudden they said this is my ship and I I felt it, like I felt my, you know, my back straight straighten up. And she looked down at Chris, she was like, Did you see it? He was like, Yeah, I saw it. He told me, Okay, now you open your eyes. Let's walk. And I'm like, no, I don't want to move. And it's like, why? It's like, because I'm scared. They let my hand go and I stopped in the middle of the aisle and I felt my back. And when I felt my back, that's when it hit me. Like, <laughs> I was healed. And I felt my legs and I had pulled up my pants legs and I looked at my knees and they were straight. And I just started screaming. I couldn't sleep that night. <laughs> when I woke up the next morning, I was still healed. It wasn't a dream. Like, I woke up, I jumped out of bed. I was jumping all over the place, climbing on things, looking in the mirror just to make sure that it was really straight and it was straight. Like, now that I look back, I want a healing for all the wrong reasons. It wasn't about giving God the glory. It was about, Lord, fix me so I could feel good. So I won't have to hide. So I won't have to be made fun of. Fix me so I'll be able to walk like everybody else and do the things like everybody else. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it like that. I want to do it so my son can get the glory out of it. For people who say that, you know, you can't be healed from cerebral palsy, it's not possible, then they don't understand the power of my God because God can do anything. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Shakia graduated uh, this spring with her master's in social work from NIAC, and uh, uh, she's an incredible woman of God. They just did another video uh, to update the whole story. Uh, did you notice she grew up in a Pentecostal church, and they had healing services regularly, and she went forward and then sat down the same way. The status quo just didn't work. And so in some ways, uh, when I told Wanda, I'll preach, but then I'm leaving, what I did was I preached and I said, we're going to minister to everyone. Everybody's going to pray for one another. It was a different model. But the Lord loves to shake things up. And she wasn't healed when Ron Walborn prayed for her. She was healed when a bunch of students prayed for her. Because Jesus loves to surprise us with fresh models. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for two things tonight. If you're here tonight and there's someone in your life that has a chronic condition and you need fresh faith for them, we want you to stand where you're at and we're going to gather around you. We're not going to have you come up, but you've got someone that, um, that they're in your life, they're in your family, they're a friend, and, and you want to have the sensitivity that Jesus had to pray and minister to them with a fresh set of eyes of faith. Uh, would you just stand where you're at and, and we want to pray for you. And this, if you see somebody stand, gather around them and, and let's lay hands on them right now. And Lord, there's a lot of us standing because like I said, we all have people in our lives. And so 
Um, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Father, and rescue us of our fear, of our friend's pain. And Lord, uh, we want to be like Jesus. Jesus, you drew the people with chronic conditions and chronic pain and chronic illness to you. And you didn't run from them. And you encouraged them. You brought them life. You brought them hope. You brought them faith. You brought them love. And so now we're asking, would you give us a fresh uh, model of ministering to our friends? Give us fresh insights, Lord. Uh, Give us discernment to know what might be going on underneath the surface. Lord, help us to look beneath the symptoms. Lord, help us to remind them of their core identity, that whatever this chronic condition is, this does not define them. It's not who they are. They're a son. They're a daughter. They're the beloved of the Lord. And Lord, may we speak the truth and pull the labels off them in Jesus' name. And then, Lord, uh, help us to have wisdom, to know how to build faith as we pray for them and minister to them. So, Lord, we're asking that we would learn these lessons from Jesus and that we would minister to people that are struggling. Would you, right now, just uh, whisper the name, speak the name of that person in your life before the Lord. I want to lift all the names. Just begin to whisper those names to the Lord. Yeah, Lord, you, you hear every name. You hear every name. We're praying for the healing of cerebral palsy. We're praying for the healing of drug addiction. We're praying for the healing of all these chronic conditions that have been mentioned here. Lord, would you bring your healing power, your healing grace? Yeah. Now, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And and Lord, right now, would you... In this moment, I want to wait in silence just a minute. Would you give us some fresh insights as to how to minister to our friends? Would you listen for the Lord just a minute? And would you, maybe, maybe he's even birthing an idea of how you approach them in a new way, in a fresh way, a way that's not offensive or hurtful, uh, a way that ministers to them. Lord, may they feel love. May they not ever feel like a project, God. May they feel our love. Lord, I pray that we would remind them of their core identity. Forgive us for defining them by their dysfunction, their disease, their issues. And Lord, help us to speak what is not as though it were and call forth the greatness of God in them. Hmm. Yes, Lord. Uh, remember what he's whispering to you right now. Some of you may even need to write it down or jot yourself a note because he's going to give you some fresh insight as, as to how to minister to broken people. All right, let's transition. I, I want to pray then for people that are struggling tonight and you've started to lose hope. And so if that's you, just lift your hand where you're at. We're going to pray for you. We're not, again, we're not going to have you come forward. We're going to have the body of Christ minister to one another. But if, if you're here tonight and you're saying, hey, I can relate to that woman in Luke 13. Would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. So look around, ministry team. And if you see people with their hands up, just go and we're going to lay hands on them. Lay hands on them. And now just ask them this question. And I think we did this the last time I was here. Just ask them this question. What do you need Jesus to do for you? So if, if you see somebody with their hand up, go to them. 
and just ask them this question. What do you want Jesus to do for you? And so keep your hand up until somebody gets to you because I want to make sure everybody has somebody. It's hard for me to see everybody, but there's a woman here that has her hand up, so make sure we go to her. Okay? Make sure everybody has somebody with them. And then just ask the question, what do you need Jesus to do for you? And you don't need a full medical history, just enough that you can start to pray. And, uh, and so what do you want Jesus to do for you? Now, some of you are saying, wow, I've never done this before. We've never prayed this way before. Well, fresh models. God put it on the agenda tonight. And so, Lord, we now lay our hands on our friends the way, Jesus, you would. And we speak truth to them, love to them. And, and we speak to the core issues right now, the root cause origin. We say, be healed, be free. And, and we remind them, they are beloved of the Lord. They are not defined by what they've been going through. And so we break off the curses in Jesus' name that they put on themselves, that others have put on them, and we declare you are not the woman with arthritis and you are not the woman with eye problems and you are not the man with an addiction issue. No, you are the beloved of the Lord. You're a daughter of Abraham. You're a son of the Lord. You belong to Jesus. You're a good daughter. You're a good son. So now, Lord, touch them. Just bless them with healing. Bless them with the love of Jesus right now. Huh. And, and we break, in Jesus' name, we break off hopelessness. And we bless them with hope. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yeah. And the Lord may give you some insight, uh, you know, maybe uh, the first bite you want to go after with them. Uh, maybe it's encouragement. Maybe it's freedom from fear. But go after whatever Jesus is doing. Now I'm going to pray something for you. That, Lord, I'm asking that Salem Alliance Church would become a magnet for people with chronic conditions that you would bring the broken and the hurting because this is a place of grace, this is a place of mercy. This is a place that is okay with healing even when it's not on the agenda. And so we declare that we will never be indignant when you interrupt our order of service, Jesus. And I know I can safely declare that because I know the leadership here. Lord, uh, the spirit of indignant has no place here. But the spirit of expectancy and joy and anticipation, yeah, we're into that, Lord. And so we welcome your healing, your freedom, your touch. We exalt you. Now, as you're closing, we're going to worship here in just a minute. Make sure you bless that person, whoever you're praying for. Bless them with hope. Bless them with love. Make sure you hug them. Make sure, see, again, not everyone may get healed, but everyone gets loved. Everyone gets loved. Everyone gets touched by the presence of God. And so as we worship tonight, Jesus, we adore you. Father, we adore you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We adore you. We thank you for what you're doing.